Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Welcome to our place today. Let's just take a moment right where you're at and lift our hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for this day. It's a good day that you have made. Lord, I ask you that you bless every person listening this day. Father, I thank you that as the word goes forth, that your anointing will be present and that joy and peace and love are also present in each household today. We thank you, Lord that you're ministering to people all over this world, all over our community, all over our neighborhoods. I thank you, Lord, that we're lifting up the name of Jesus and you're drawing men and women to you today. So Father, we thank you for all the people serving in our community today. We thank you for all the mothers this glorious day, Lord, as we celebrate motherhood. And we thank you, Lord, that you are for us, not against us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, WCF. Um, my name is Anthony, and we're going to be starting our scripture with Proverbs 31, starting on verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. I'm Pastor Michael, the youth pastor. Happy Mother's Day. I'm going to be reading from verse 16 through 20. She goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. Hi, I'm Pastor Brian, and uh, I am the uh, youth pastor, sorry, youth pastor? No, I'm the young adults pastor here at Windsor Christian Fellowship, and uh, I'm going to be reading uh, from 21 to 25 today. She has no fear of winter for for her household, for everyone is warm, has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates, where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts without fear of the future. Good morning. I am Pastor Larry, not Pastor Brian, Pastor Larry, and I am the discipleship coordinator, and I will be continuing reading verses 26 to 31. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. 
Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. So, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers that are watching today. And uh, I want to take this opportunity to wish a very special happy Mother's Day to my wife, Mary. And she's an amazing woman, mother. She loves her children. She's devoted and committed, really an amazing cook, you know, maybe too amazing. Um, Mary, I love doing life with you and our young ladies. I hope you have a fantastic day today. So what we've done this morning is, as you can see, we've got a little bit of a different setup, and I've got a few questions here that I'm going to ask these guys, and we're going to see how this goes in the conversation. So I'm going to ask the question, we'll see how they answer. We'll start with some easy ones. Gentlemen, what was your favorite or least favorite meal that your mom cooked? Liver. Is that your favorite meal? Least favorite. Oh, least favorite meal was liver? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Anyone else? My mom would cook this tuna casserole and put like potato chips on top. It was, it was really gross. So oh, it was mom, horrible. It was gross bad. <laughs> Uh, pretty well, any anyone that had like, you know, a turkey dinner, a roast dinner, all those were really good, especially, you know, at the big holiday feast. But I also remember, I think it was a sour cream chicken uh, on, on rice, whatever was one of the meals that, you that, liked. I really, that we had that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, there was a time, a period in our life when my mom was a single mom. So sometimes she would cook. Oh, the thought of it still to this day was those processed pot pies. Oh, I just, the thought of it still. Hmm, not too bad. Okay, guys, name the worst outfit your mother bought you or made you wear. I'll start. For my grade eight graduation, my mom bought me a pair of red pants to go with my shirt. My mom put me in some overalls once. I don't wear overalls. They just don't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember when we were, um, you know, probably about like five, six, somewhere in that range, um, you know, we ended up having these, these outfits, um, and they were just, you know, like dress, dressy outfits, you know, and, and I definitely preferred at that time, I liked wearing, you know, jogging pants and so forth, so I just remember having to put these, these outfits on, and I was just like, oh, they're like so stiff, and they had wool in them, and I was like allergic in, uh, to wool, and they was always like itching, right, you know, so you put it on, you're like, ah, my itch. Itchy, itchy, and it was just, it was nuts, right? And then I remember on top of that, one other thing that came with it was um, one time uh, she used to make me wear these shoes to school, and they were like these brown shoes, and they had these like thick foam bottoms to them, and um, I, I couldn't wear, I wasn't allowed to wear them, I remember, in gym class, and I remember like tell, you know, telling them, I'm like, I can't wear these shoes today, I got gym and whatnot, it's like, no, you're wearing these shoes, and, and I remember having to like sit out during gym class, which was just devastating, because I'm like, I remember, I can still see it right now, I'm like, I'm sitting on that stage right now, you know, while everyone else is running around, and, and because I was wearing these shoes that I just did not enjoy. So there's this outfit that my mom made me. Um, one cr particular Christmas, I don't remember how old I was, but uh, she had made outfits for all the boys, and um, it was uh, dress pants and with a uh, dress shirt and a vest. And I don't remember the particulars of the pants or the vest, but I remember the shirt. It was pink. 
and it was in a time period when pink was not in. And I adopted the nickname of Pinky, and I hated it. It's a new, new nickname for him now. Well, exactly. So I think you might want to comment on this one first. Did you or your siblings ever have the same haircut? Um, we've had some bad haircuts, yes. But the same haircuts, no. My brother's hair was a tighter curl. So if he tried to duplicate my haircut, I would tease him. And then if I tried to duplicate his haircut, he would tease me. But um, we had a lot of bad haircuts to probably why I became a hairstylist. I think we used to do the bowl haircut where they'd line us up, stick a bowl on our head, and anything sticking out, they cut it off. I have something very similar. Um, my older brother is six years, no, four, five years older than me. So we never really had the same haircut. And then it's my older sister and my younger sister. Um, but similar, we had bowl in my head. All right, there you go, Anthony, and go to school. <laughs> we had a lot of um, undercuts, right? So it was kind of like shaved underneath, and then the hair was over top of it. Um, so I know my younger brother and me often had that same style for, for many years. Uh, then my older brother, which is Pastor RJ, uh, he also had that style at one point. But his hair, when he actually had hair, right, it was actually uh, really curly, right? So we always had straight hair when it flopped over. And then Pastor RJ, when he had his hair, it was kind of like, you know, this long kind of, uh, you know, tight curls. And he always had like, like tons and tons of gel. His hair was like, you know, like solid crunch, you know, when he was wearing his hair. We didn't, we, you know, the, the younger two of us, Killed we didn't have that phrase. crunch to our hair. It was, you know, you know, nice and kind of soft. We used like molding mud and different things. But, uh, you know, no, he used some, some heavy gel during those days. I do remember that my mom cut all of our hair. I do remember that. But I don't ever recall ever having the same haircut as my brother's. Okay, one more on the fun side, then we'll get a little more serious. What was the worst chore your mom told you to do? I think any time I had to clean the house. (laughs) I'm going to just say, like, my mom didn't really make me do a whole lot of cleaning chores. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, that was kind of left up to my older siblings. I kind of got off scotch easy for them. <laughs> as far as chores from my mother, I don't recall. I grew up on a farm, and I had four sisters, so the house chores were done by my sisters, and the outside chores were done by the boys. And I don't recall ever having my mom ever ask us to do any particular chore. I'm going to go with cleaning up after the dog, especially if the dog, you know, had, you know, eaten something and gotten sick, right? I remember, you know, having to clean up some of that stuff, and that was fairly disgusting, and uh, definitely that by far was the least favorite chore that I remember ever doing. All right. In which ways are you just like your mom? Um, my mom's very methodical and she likes to think th- things through very thoroughly before she makes a decision. Um, I'm very much like that. I kind of like sit and think and some people think maybe like, okay, hurry up and make, your, make up your mind, Anthony, or hurry up and make a decision. But like my mom's very much like, okay, here's the process. Here's where this would lead. And that's kind of how I kind of think through problems as well. For me, it's uh, 
now I love my mom and she's not annoying at all, but this is the one time where she is and I do this exact thing when we watch a movie. I keep talking during the movie and I want to make sure if I've already watched the movie and somebody else hasn't, I always try to make sure like, did you catch what they said? They said this, wait for it, wait for it. And my mom does that all the time to where now when we watch a movie, my daughter or my wife is like, stop being your mom. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. Oh, no. As far as character and mannerisms, um, I don't think that I'm like my mom at all. Um, but I've often been told I look like my mom. I have hair like my mom. My dad and my brothers, they're all losing their hair, but I had my hair, still have lots of hair, and, uh, but mostly appearance. I was often reminded how much I looked like my mom. And it went with pinky too, right? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Um, so when, it, when I take a look at it, um, you know, in, in the uh, Shimatero gene pool, I definitely know that many people um, got the Shimatero gene, especially in our family, which is, you know, the, they're the rise, they like to rise early in the morning. You know, my grandparents were always up at the crack of dawn, you know, at like, actually before dawn. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they, they rarely got any sleep, um, you know, and I think everyone just enjoyed getting up early. They worked hard. And uh, I'm pretty positive that I got that one gene from, um, from my mother, though, you know, where I'm not the one who likes to get up at the crack of dawn. I just, you know, I, I, I like to uh, sleep in in the morning. It doesn't matter if I wake up at, at 6, 8, 10, or 1 o'clock in the afternoon when I was a teenager. I still did not enjoy uh, waking up. So I can certainly say, yeah, that would be for sure a, a gene that I know I got from my mother. All right, guys. Uh, what influence did your mom have on your Christianity? So, um, for a while, it was just me, my little sister, and my mom. Um, so I just grew up just with my mom, and she had a huge impact because she was the one who took us to church all the time, and um, she really poured in a lot of like Christian, strong Christian values for me. And I really kind of value that and appreciate that she really helped me start off with the basis of my faith and helped nurture and grow me through my Christian walk. So that's really cool. Yeah, for me, it was, I was, uh, we were Catholic at that time. And um, my mom being single, a single mom at that time, she would uh, take myself, my brother, and my little baby sister. We would walk to church. And I remember always just going to church. And the thing that I couldn't wait for was... After church, we'd always walk to the convenience store and need to get a, a pop or a, a, a popsicle. So she did that for a lot of our younger years, which I believe really caused me and gave me a hunger and a thirst and, and a passion for church. I remember uh, as a child, it was my mom who, uh, that I remember most distinctly um, spending time with me going, at, you know, before our bedtime ritual, where she would be reading scriptures with us, and um, I, rem- I still remember the uh, kids' Bible that we would read through, and basically it was paraphrased Bible stories, and, um, you know, she always made sure that I was having time praying, having time with God and devotion, reading scripture and whatnot, and so, yeah, I would have to say that my mom had a huge influence, impact on my spiritual growth? Um, I would say that the first scripture that my mom really used a lot when we were growing up that had an impact on my Christian journey was, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. And uh, so I think that that was something that definitely seemed to keep pointing me in the right direction. 
but as I grew older, I think uh, one of the things that I, I, I really had an impact on my life that I still, in, still enjoy to this moment was um, Pastor Kathy. Always woke up uh, early in the morning and uh, you know, got into the living room and was always praying early in the morning. And I just remember that it was just, you know, even though I didn't enjoy waking up in the morning, I just remember, you know, waking up and it just being so peaceful in the house. And I just think that it was just something that, you know, always just solidified, you know, our relationship with God uh, in the household. And uh, it's just something that I think really did have an impact on my journey and in my prayer life uh, as I got older. And uh, it, was, it was a good thing. And I actually want to comment on that one. I seem to remember we used to put these confessions on the mirror, and then every day we would have to read our, our faith confessions and, and speak the Word of God over our life, which was good. Uh, one of the most important things that you learned from your mom? For me, it would, uh, my mom was very good at helping me kind of express my emotions. Um, I would come home from school some days, and if I was frustrated or angry or whatever, I would kind of come home all in a fuss, and my mom would be like, Anthony, how do you feel? And I'd be like, no, I don't really know. And so she would pull out this like face chart, and the face chart would have like 50 different faces on it with a whole bunch of different emotions. And she would put it in front of me and sit me down and say, okay, which face do you feel? And I would kind of look through them and I'd point to this one. She's like, okay, that's this emotion. Do you feel this? And she would kind of talk me through my emotions and that's what I really, like, I carried that through up into my, right right now and I'm just really good at being able to process my emotions. So it's really helpful. <laughs> uh, for me, I guess, I mean, I kind of been bringing it up a little bit. There was a time in our life where my mom was a single mom and there was a time where she had to get a job and she, um, Having three kids and my sister as just being a baby, she, she really started from the bottom and worked her way to the top. And she taught me work ethics and um, just striving to uh, keep growing in what you do and, and keep pressing in and, and just don't stop. So I, I'm struggling with two things here, so I'm going to share them both. The first one is just that um, my mom always had a heart of compassion and room in the house for somebody else. And often we never knew when somebody was going to stop in. But my mom was always, always prepared for the unexpected uh, with meals, with somebody spending the night, whatever that looked like. And, um, and so that's something that I feel like I've adopted. The other thing is, is just um, a real compassion for the lost. Um, I know that all my life, I remember my mom busy doing things for the poor, for the underprivileged. Uh, she had a heart of compassion and care for missions, and, uh, and that really greatly influenced me as later I became a missionary with my wife as well. I'm going to go with straight-up faith. Um, you know, my mother had, uh, has... Uh, such amazing faith. Uh, she always is, is just stretching. Uh, it's always growing. And I just can't remember the amount of just ridiculous times where, you know, her faith was just, you know, abounding, you know, where, you know, it was like giving away cars and, you know, and then, you know, different things of that nature, you know, or just, you know, building a home, you know, when there was, a, you know, the resources in the bank. And it was just, you know, the days, you know, even as days were just approaching on things, it was just standing firm in faith. And it was just believing God that his promises were that they were happening, that God would make provision. And uh, I just think that, you know, her, her stance on faith has just been amazing. Um, it's been something that has challenged, you know, my faith to be able to grow. And um, I think that, you know, she's yeah, just a, an amazing woman of faith, and that's really had an impact on my life. 
This will be my last question before we go on to the rest of the message. If your mom was standing right there, social distancing from us, of course, um, one sentence, what would you say? What would you say? I really appreciate and value you more than you can ever realize. Uh, Mom, you're the strongest woman that I think I've, I've ever seen. I'm not sure exactly. Um, I'm trying to picture my mom standing there, and I'm right now I'm getting an image of a vision that I got, which I'll share in a bit. But, um, Mom, you're a treasure. You're a Proverbs 31 woman through and through, and I love you. Proud of you, love you, and glad you're in my life. All right. Well, now we're done the question portion, and Anthony is going to talk for a minute. Cool. All right. Um, so first of all, I want, to, I want to say a very happy Mother's Day to all the moms joining us and a very first happy Mother's Day to all the new moms who maybe have uh, a newborn or who are expecting and their baby's on their way. Um, children add a unique flair and dynamic to holidays, and I'm super happy that you get to experience that. So um, my scripture verse that I chose for today is Proverbs 6, 20 to 22. Um, if I can get up on the screen, please and thank you. Do, do, do. All right, here we go. So reading from the NLT, starting at verse 20. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instructions. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. So as I was preparing for my message today, um, that verse really stood out and really spoke to me because it kind of hits on something really unique that I want to talk about for the next couple minutes. The author of this proverb really kind of hit on something really special. They had insight into the unique roles that a father and mother have in a healthy family unit and just the impact they have on a healthy child's development. And these roles for a father and mother are very different. Um, and I'm not saying one's more important than the other. And I know sometimes in society, people often put importance on one and often neglect the other. But I think they're both beautifully important to a child's development and to a healthy family unit. And so I'm going to focus a bit on, obviously, the mother's role, because it's Mother's Day, and how important that mother-child bond is to a child's development. Um, so for me, personally speaking, from personal experience, um, the first little while in both my children's lives, they had a closer relationship with their mom. And that's kind of to be expected, because they first spent the first nine months of their lives with her, listening to every word she said, being everywhere that she went, listening to her heartbeat, learning her voice. And to be honest, I was kind of jealous, like not in like a, mm, I want attention kind of way, but when they were born, I had to work really hard actually to make that connection with these new lives. And Alyssa, it just came very naturally because they had already obviously grown up the first nine months of their life, like learning and loving. And I think that's so amazing um, because like for my kids, Alyssa was the first relationship that they formed and the first love that they bonded with. Um, and I'm not saying I have a bad relationship with my kids at all. Like me and Ruby now have a beautiful relationship. We like to wrestle and we like to read books and play Play-Doh together. And Solomon doesn't do a whole lot right now. <laughs> he just kind of sits there. But like I just like watching him and just like absorbing everything that he does. Um, but it's just so cool to see that when my children need comfort or they're crying or they're sad, the first instinct is to go to their mom. And I think that's something so beautiful that God created this, this safety net that the children don't even have to think, okay, if I'm scared, okay, mom. Oh, if I'm happy, okay, mom. Because 
it's, it's instinctual for them. And I think that's something so beautiful. Um, people don't realize that in the first 18 months of a child's life is when they determine whether the world is a safe place or not. So in the first year and a half, they get this view of the world, whether the world is a safe place or the world is an unsafe place. And then the first five years of a child's development, they're learning at like a genius level intellect, how many words they pick up, how many skills they learn, what they're saying. They're just making all these connections so quickly. And the children are constantly watching us, everything that we do, listening to every single thing that we say, like their parrots and their mimes. Um, and, and I think it's, if we take a couple steps back and look at who our children are mimicking, I think we'll begin to realize that our children are often looking to their mothers because that's like their first form of comfort and that's their first love, right? And I think as a society, we often undervalue um, moms a lot of the times. And I think we've grown to this place and this mentality that um, motherhood is like, oh, it's kind of like second best, whereas like motherhood is beautiful and it's something that should be cherished, right? And it's something that really kind of spoke to me when I was kind of prepping this message and just kind of me kind of realizing that like what Alyssa does for my kids and just seeing how she interacts with them and seeing how she loves them and plays with them, it just blesses me so immensely because I know in my heart that I will never have that kind of relationship with my kids, which is okay because like we said, the mother-child relationship is different than the father-child relationship, but it just blesses me seeing how she interacts with them and seeing how she loves them. And I think that mother-child relationship kind of resonates through, entire, through a child's like entire life from infancy all, all the way to grown adulthood. There's something that the child and the mother always have that's unique and that's special um, that I think as a society we should really celebrate. Um, and so I just kind of really want to say like a special like shout out to moms. Like you're more than just a dinner cooker or a laundry folder or a diaper changer. Um, you value so much to your children. And if you feel underappreciated or you're not doing a good enough job because of the expectations maybe someone put on you or that you put on yourself, I just kind of want you to take a minute and realize that your children are looking to you and you value more to them than maybe you may even realize. So I want you to be blessed today and uh, happy Mother's Day. We love you. Well, good morning and uh, welcome all the moms and all the women out there. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to my lovely wife, beautiful on the inside and out, and also to my own mother. Happy Mother's Day to you and my mother-in-law. Happy Mother's Day to you. You are truly like a mom to me, even though I tease you a lot. Um, I'm going to be going into uh, 2 Timothy, so if we can please put that up on the screen. 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded, now lives in you also. Uh, I got a different one. Let me just read a different one where it says, and I know that's, that same faith continues strong in you. That's what we're going to say. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Paul is talking to Timothy here, and he's, and he's, and he's expressing the fact that Lois and Eunice, Timothy's grandmother and mom, played a pivotal role in the raising of Timothy. Paul is pointing out the fact that his grandmother, Timothy's grandmother and mom, played a big influence in the direction of Timothy's life and in his faith. In a, in a place where Timothy's dad was, was Greek, and the scholars say, and when you study the word, that his faith may have been of the world, may have been of the Greek religion, where Lois and Eunice's faith was of Jesus Christ, this New Testament faith, this, the, the way in Jesus. 
um, that Timothy could have been torn. It could have been, it went both ways. He had a, the value of the worldly ways, and he had the value of the ways of Jesus. And Paul is commending and honoring his grandmother and his mom, and that he was revealing the importance of what his grandmother and mother did in the life of Timothy, to where his dad either was of Greek religion or his dad may not have even been around. For Paul now took over as a spiritual father for Timothy, so it really reveals that Timothy in his, in his, in his natural with his father, there was probably no faith of Jesus Christ. And I look at this verse, and this verse really, really promotes the power of his grandmother and his mom of what they've done in Timothy's life. That Timothy had this strong faith. Now, Timothy was a teenager. So I'm talking to all the moms right now that are with teenagers and have, have the youth in their household. And as a youth pastor, I see the way the youth interact and the way they act. And as my kids were once youth, and now they've kind of gone past that, I remember the difference from them being children and them being a youth. And being a youth, it's a lot different than being a child to where sometimes, and I see this with the youth, they don't really like to express their emotions with the parents. I'm not saying they don't like to express their emotions because believe me, they really like to express their emotions with each other. But sometimes, as with their parents, you could say you love your child and they may say they love you back, but it's different, I feel, for me anyway, When they were a child, they run into your arms. And I'm just going to give you some encouraging words here. Um, After they pass those teenage years, it truly shifts back to where they actually come back to you and hug you a lot more again. So, So you'll get that. But what I'm saying is Timothy was probably torn. He was probably torn in the ways of the world and in the ways of Jesus. And because of his mom and grandmother who pressed in their faith on Timothy, The faith of Jesus Christ overseeded the faith and the ways of this world. Now, am I saying that we need to preach it and teach it all the time? Moms, you are the most amazing even when you don't preach it, when you teach it. Moms, with the faith of Jesus Christ, when you keep pressing in and you just keep loving them, even when they're not revealing any love to show or give you, you just keep on pressing in as a mother should. And I believe that's what Lois and Eunice was doing too. They weren't just preaching and teaching the word, but they were loving Timothy in the midst of his crisis, in the midst of him not revealing any love back to them. Because let's face it, he was a teenager and Timothy was not perfect either. He had struggles and he was torn. But because of their tenacity, because they kept pressing in, Timothy grew up to be a mighty man of God. What I'm trying to say mothers out there, that you are more valuable than you may think you are. See, you could be your worst enemy. You could belittle yourself, think that you did not do enough, but I'm telling you right now, you have mom as your title. And what you do, the way you say things and how you act in front of your child plays a huge importance in their life. And I know all you mothers out there that you will keep pressing in. And maybe you feel like you haven't done enough. Today's a new day, and you are a mom. And to all those moms and women out there that help with the youth, that raise a youth, that teach a youth, the way that you handle things, they see it. It's going to pay off in the end. 
So I just want to encourage you, just keep pressing in, keep moving forward. Be who you are called to be, that you are a mom, that you are mighty, that you are strong, and only you can do what a mom can do, what a father cannot do. See, Timothy may not have had his father raising him in his life, and I can relate to this for part of my years, but my mom had strength and tenacity to keep on bringing that power, to keep on bringing that love, to not give up on me, my brother, and my sister. And moms, you have that power to keep pressing in. So no matter how old your children are, you are a mom through and through. So anyways, I just want to cherish you. I truly, truly love moms out there, women out there, that you just keep on pressing in to help other moms. You're a mom too. So anyways, be blessed this day. And I hope this Sunday is a great day for you. Thank you, Pastor Michael. I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Brian, and uh, I'm going to be speaking for a few minutes on uh, mothers of adult children. And uh, before I start with that, I just want to take a moment to, uh, first of all, just, you know, uh, wish my, my wife out there a uh, uh, happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, you're truly, truly special to me. You know, you're a great, great mother to our children, and I just love the fact that you just live life with passion and compassion. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just a great element that I just uh, truly enjoy in life. I also want to wish uh, Happy Mother's Day out there to Pastor Kathy, my mother, and uh, you know, just thank her for uh, raising such a, a fine young man that I turned out to be. So kudos to you, and uh, you know, have, a, have a blessed one. So you know, if, you, uh, if you ask my, my, my daughter today, you know, if, you know, who's 13 years old, if she, if she thought she was an adult, I'm sure she would say yes right? It's just, you know, I mean, she's probably at home laughing as, as I'm saying this, but, you know, she, she truly believes, you know, that she's an adult. Now, you know, being, being the father and the mother, you know, we realize that, you know, that's not quite the case, but she would answer you, yes, I'm an adult, and when I'm in, in a couple years from now, you know, I'm going to be old enough, I'm going to move out with my friends, and I'm going to have my own place, and I'm going to pay people to do all the work, you know, that I don't want to do, and, uh, you know, which I think she's already got down pat because her brother does half of her chores as it is, and, um, but the reality is, is that, you know, she's still not yet an adult. So Pastor Sherry and myself, we don't have actually any, um, you know, biologically, we don't have any adult children. But we do have, you know, many uh, children, adult children that are in our lives. Uh, and I think a lot of that has just come through, you know, the, the ministry that we do here working with uh, REACH. You know, it's, it's, it's a very common thing, you know, where, my, where Pastor Sherry will be walking through the hallways, uh, you know, at church or, you know, on a Thursday night, we're at young, young adults and, you know, and it's like, you know, hi, mom, hi, mom, hi, mom, right? And, uh, you know, it's just everywhere she goes, you know, there's like, you know, mom, right? And um, I think that it's just, it's just part of, I think, the, the role uh, that she, you know, she has had in their particular lives, you know, where they just call mother, mother. And I think that when you look at young adults, I said, I think that a lot of them have a lot of mothers in their lives, right? You know, it's like you could walk through and it'd be like, hey, mom, you know, and then the next thing you know, they walk five more feet and it's like, hi, mom. And uh, because there's so many mothers, right, who have just invested into their lives. And, you know, even myself, as I've grown up, I remember having, you know, you know, multiple mothers and, you know, and I still have multiple mothers and they're, you know, they're still making an impact on my life. And so I haven't been through, you know, all the progressions in, in, I guess you say even parenting in, in a lifetime yet, but, you know, uh, nor has my wife, but I do have a couple thoughts that I want to kind of share. I think that um, it's, as you look at adult children, I think, you know, sometimes it can even be brought into to two different parts, you know, like early, early adult children and later adult children. But I think they're both uh, a time that can be challenging and rewarding. And um, I think that 
when what we do is a lot of times is said is, is that I think there's been emphasis um, and a primary emphasis on doing what we need to do, which is raising our children through to, you know, adulthood, which is at age 18. But I believe that that process doesn't really end at age 18. I believe that there's, you know, um, there's this transitioning period from adolescence into adulthood. And I think that that, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice here, guys. Um, I think that's something that doesn't just end when they turn 18 with a date on the calendar. And so I believe that it's something that, you know, allows us to be able to continue, you know, to do parenting or, or mothers. And I think this is where mothers really, really have a, a challenge on their hands. And so I want to just put on 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, and it says, When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. <clears throat> and I think that when you look at this particular scripture, it has the relevance to it that says, look, every child, as I said, as they grow up, they're going through different stages of life, right? But they have childish things. But as they transition into adulthood, now it's about putting aside those, those childish transitions. And as they do that, who's better to help them than mom? But as mom is there, you know, mom's realized and said, you know, like that children, you know, they all have strengths and weaknesses, you know. My wife, you know, can really easily identify, you know, like, and be compassionate, you know, with, with, with the children and their different weaknesses, I find, even, you know, differently, than, you know, than I can as a father. And I believe that as she invests into those particular things, you know, we, we realize, you know, how we can develop and move through and do the different things. And I think that's a, a role that a mom is really good in just developing, developing children. And so in this early role of what we call adulthood, I believe that mothers in this early stage, they play that important role because now what they're doing is they're guiding, they're counseling, and they're mentoring children. You know, there's this whole stage now of like empowering your children, you know, to be free-spirited, you know, to, to be free thinkers, to, to think on their own, make decisions, and they're giving them support. And I think that's the big thing that moms do is they give their children, especially their adult children, support. And so... When they do that, you know, obviously they're working within boundaries, they're providing wisdom, you know, when it's asked for, there's providing understanding, which is another big thing as as children are growing up, you know, there's a lot of understanding that is needed, and, you know, as they're stretching their wings of independence up, you know, um, I know that my mother, you know, Pastor Kathy, she did a great job, you know, with me, you know, even as I've been in adulthood, of just, you know, guiding and giving us wisdom and helping us along the way, and, um, so I believe that there's a lot of challenges, as I said, for both the mother and the children as they're going through these transitions into adulthood. And uh, ultimately, what they're doing is they're carving out new roles. They're, they're changing the dynamics of the relationship. You know, it goes from, you know, just being, you know, that, you know, tutor now to, to really more of a guide and a friend. And I think that that just grows and matures. Um, sometimes in the, in the early stages when this happens, I think that the relationships can be, you know, broken. Um, sometimes, you know, they fall apart. But I think that over time, those things mend, they grow, the bonds, you know, grow together. Moms are really good at keeping the bonds of the family together. And I believe that as they go, that here's one of the things that mothers really have to do. And I just want to encourage mothers out there, you know, as you're going through and we're, you know, encouraging our children and you're encouraging them and making sure that, you know, we stay away from even criticisms. I think the main thing that's really helps mothers is prayer. I mean, how many times have you just heard about, you know, a mom praying for their children? And I just think this is so important. I mean, how many mothers just pray how many children come back to the Lord because they've had praying mothers. And so I want to leave you guys with two final thoughts. One of it was really simple is, look, even though your children are adult children, I just want to encourage you to let you guys know they still need you.
Adult children still need you. And so just keep that in mind that you're needed. Just because you know they're maybe out of the household or they've turned 18 already, your mothers need you. They will always need you in their life. And I also just want to say that adult children are always looking for guidance. And I want to say thanks to all the mothers out there, all the motherly role models who have imparted into the adult children's uh, over the year. Uh, Great is your report. Thanks, Pastor Brian. That's really good. You know, as you can tell, we're going along in progression to the different stages of, of motherhood. And um, um, before I get into, into mine, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to my dear wife, uh, a great mother, and uh, to our three children, one adopted. And um, you are amazing in all your ways, inside and out as well. The verse that I want to share with you is Psalm 34, verse 18. And it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, you may be wondering, what on earth does that verse have to do with Mother's or Mother's Day? And you know, for some of us, um, Mother's Day is not at all a special time. And I don't know exactly your situation, but perhaps um, you're a mother who uh, have already lost Uh, a child through um, miscarriage, perhaps uh, you have a, you know, a son or a daughter who have passed on already before you. And, you know, this particular day becomes a day of of sorrow, a day of hardship. And, you know, perhaps you're an individual whose mother has already passed on. And for me personally, my mom passed on earlier on this year. And so this is my very first Mother's Day without having my mom with me. And as I was, um, as we were getting closer to Mother's Day, I began reflecting on my mom. And, um, you know, going through Proverbs 31, I can relate, you know, all the way through. Yep, that's my mom. That's my mom. And even this last week, I was on the phone with my brother in Winnipeg, and we were talking about different things that we remembered about my mom and how she really represented the Proverbs 31 woman. And um, so when others are celebrating and we hear all the incredible things that people are remembering of their moms and what their moms are doing, sometimes feelings of loss and sorrow permeate my soul. But your mom is in heaven, someone might say. You should be rejoicing. Yeah, that's true, and I do. I do rejoice. And not only that, but I also know that not everyone is as privileged as I have been in that a few days before my mom passed, God gave me a vision of seeing my mom meeting Jesus for the very first time in heaven. And in my vision, my mom, she was at the age of about 19, I'm thinking. I don't really know for sure, but she was very, very young, beautiful, completely whole and healthy. And she was doing what she loved to do best. As she was approaching Jesus, she was singing. And for this, I rejoice And as I remember back to all the things that I remember that my mom has done, I remember with joy and with rejoicing. However, this knowledge does not remove the sorrow of the moment. For those of you today who are remembering mothers who have already passed, or perhaps for mothers who are remembering the loss of a child, we honor you today. I want to encourage you, it's okay to feel sorrow. It's okay to feel brokenhearted for the loss of a loved one. Jesus did. My prayer this morning is for all of you 
who are struggling with sorrow, who are struggling with feeling loss. May God's peace, love, and comfort be yours today. So we know that a day like today can be very polarizing. It seems like there's a lot of that going on right now out there in the culture with this COVID-19 stuff. It's becoming very polarizing, and we're seeing all this division that comes up. And there's some women that feel, oh, well, I'm just an honorary mother. Look, mothering has to do more with loving people, caring for people, mentoring people, training people, you know. And there's a lot of women out there that really do mother others, even if they're not a biological mother for someone at this point in their journey. But again, everybody has different experiences and perspectives when we go into a day like today. It's very polarizing. And the truth is, we have to be willing to love one another and tolerate the different perspectives that are coming out right now, especially on a Mother's Day, you know, where one person's grieving today and another person's rejoicing today. Both responses can be okay. And, and what happens is these things shouldn't cause division or make you feel less or make you feel that you're not as important as someone else. And we as Christians always have to be careful not to put ourselves in a place of judgment over others because we know that God's going to be the judge. That'll take the pressure off you. There are no perfect families. I know mine's not. And when we realize that for some this is a day of celebration and joy and for others this is a day of unspeakable pain and anguish. I want to look at James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16 right now. And it says, Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James is telling us no matter where we sit, no matter what your unique experience is today, God has a response for you. If you're struggling today, pray. We need to pray and we need to call out to the Creator, the one that gives us comfort, the one that gives us hope, the one that gives us life, the one that gives us joy the one that shed his blood for us so that we could receive his love. If you're celebrating today, sing songs and celebrate. In life, we all have up and down, but we need to look to our creator every single day. And it really doesn't matter what we're experiencing, we wanna focus on him. We wanna focus our thoughts and our emotions on Jesus. Why? Because he loves us. Let's focus on Christ. Let's focus on the cross. Let's focus on the hope that he gives us. Let's focus on the joy that he set before us. Let's focus on his sustaining power. Let's focus on the hope that he gives us for each day. So we value all of you, no matter where you sit today. Whether you're having a great day or a horrible day, God loves you and we love you. And we just want to pray for you before we go into communion. Father, I thank you for all the men and women listening. And for many aspects of life, Lord, and for some... People, this is a wonderful day as they celebrate life and motherhood. And for others, there's a lot of anguish and sorrow. But God, we know that you love all of us no matter what we're experiencing right now. You died for all of us. So let your love be present, God. Let your peace go forth. Let your joy be for, go forth, Lord. Because you make all things 
beautiful. And you work everything out for our good, Lord. And as we're in this process, Lord, I thank you that you're working in us and through us to accomplish goodness and life. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now, we're just going to take our communion elements, and we're going to start with the bread. Now, this bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. So every time we take communion, I tell the youth, let's, let's take this seriously. Let's understand that we're coming together, having relationship and communion with our Lord and Savior. And I mentioned about that Jesus, is, that Jesus Christ, his body, came, died for us. He sacrificed himself for us, meaning his body was broken for us through his death and through his salvation we can celebrate this now through what he has done on the cross for us all right let's pray dear god i want to thank you so much for who you are and for what you did for us on the cross i thank you the fact for the fact that you broke your body for us so that we may be made whole i thank you for your amazing grace and your never-ending love lord i pray lord that you just be with us for the rest of the day and that you would just bless the mothers especially today, Lord, just remind them that they are loved and that they are cherished and they are appreciated. Let's partake. And it says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, right, that he had taken the bread and he took uh, also the wine, and he had said that this, he said, take this and do this in remembrance, right, of, of me. And so when Jesus went to the cross, right, he shed his blood for us. And not. And there's so much power in the blood of Jesus, right? Not only is it offer up, you know, the forgiveness of our sins, but there's just there's such a, a purifying process that takes place with the blood of Jesus Christ, right? It, it is for our healing. And I believe that, you know, that there are many of us out there who can receive healing today, even as they take the blood of Jesus. So I just really thank God for what he did at the cross by shedding his blood for us. And as we take communion today, I want you to just remember and focus and think upon, right, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you at Calvary. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father God, for that act of love. I thank you for that sacrifice. And I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And so, Father God, as we remember, may our hearts be warmed, may our hearts be encouraged, and may we feel your presence, your forgiveness, and walk in freedom because of what you have done. May we understand that we've been bought We've been purchased by your blood. And that enables us, it empowers us to live the life that you have called us to live. A life of freedom, a life of service, bringing you the honor and glory in everything. We just partake of this cup together in remembrance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and asked him to forgive you of your sins, I'm going to suggest to you, pray, give your life to Christ, accept his sacrifice on the cross, receive forgiveness, receive mercy, receive love, and let him change you from the inside out. And if you want to pray that prayer, if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, I'd like you to call our church office or send us an email. Uh, our number's on the website. And uh, 
get a hold of us. Tell us, and we'll have a pastor call you and pray with you and talk to you about how to mature in the Christian faith and how to, how to walk through your journey. That said, I want to tell everyone today, hey, uh, we have Pastor Rick and Kathy with us next week on the very stage, so they'll be live streaming live from uh, Windsor Christian Fellowship next week. So tell your friends and family, uh, Pastor Rick and Kathy will be ministering. We'll, we're excited to have them here. And uh, all the mothers, you have a happy Mother's Day. And that said, let's receive our tithes and our offerings. And uh, thank you, WCF, for your faithfulness in this area. We had a good missions offering last week, and we were able to sow some seed into some ministries around the world that are hurting. And we want to be able to continue to bless others as we're going through this right now. So, Father, I thank you that you're faithful to us. And as our tithes are in the storehouse, as our tithes are sown into your kingdom, I thank you that they're producing much fruit. I thank you, Father, that you are rebuking the devourer from each and every family, Lord, that's faithful in this arena. And Lord, I thank you that faith is arising in hearts and that as people are on board with your kingdom and your command, I thank you that you open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing we cannot contain. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Thanks for watching us today, everyone. God bless you all. Have a happy Mother's Day, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Happy Mother's Day.